Thanks for checking out the Ascent Church podcast. Our mission is to reach, equip, and impact others exactly where they are as we rise to new life in Christ. We hope that this message encourages you. Now, here's Pastor Thomas Lane. Baptism, y'all, is a celebration. It says when someone gets baptized, not only should we celebrate, but all of heaven is celebrating as well. So we celebrate when baptism happens. We don't just say, (laughs) all right, we cheer. This ain't a country club, all right? This ain't Jeopardy, y'all. This is The Price is Right. And I was at the gym. I saw those jokers. I don't know what's happened to that show, but it's got even crazier. They dress up now. They wear crazy stuff. Um, I don't know what's going on in The Price is Right, but we don't, <laughs> we, we get excited. We cheer, we clap. That's why there's a bunch of people sitting up front. They want a good seat. It's a splash zone right here. I'll see if I can get some, some splashing on y'all right here. I like that. I like that a lot. But baptism is an outward expression of an inward change. It's an outward expression of what God is doing in your life and in your heart. It represents being buried. It represents dying to yourself and being raised to new life in Christ. It's about newness. It's about turning to God. It's an incredible time. But that begs the question. You may be thinking, why did, why did Jesus get baptized? Now, that's a whole different sermon. That's more than we have time for because someone turned the thermostat up without us knowing. So we don't have time for all that. But I'm going to tell you this. Jesus Christ, he was fully God. He was fully man. Okay. And often we see him all the time, identifying with sinful humanity. He lived this perfect life of obedience to God. And I truly firmly believe he was showing us what a life in full obedience to God looked like. And part of that involved this, this baptism. And that's what we're going to celebrate today. The point I want you to hear is this, is that this rocks the system. Because I just read a passage for you. You don't even know any context. This was at the start of his ministry. This was not at the end. He hadn't healed anybody yet. He hasn't done any great sermons yet. He hasn't proclaimed anything yet. He didn't raise someone from the dead yet. He didn't walk on water yet. He he wasn't raised from the dead yet. Nothing happened yet. This is the start of his ministry, not the end. We would expect this at the end, right? We would expect this as like a retirement ceremony. You know what I mean? A trophy celebration. Give him a medal. Jesus, you did some good stuff. I love you. You're my child. Here's an award. Congratulations. You're done. No, no, no. This is the start. Because this rocks something that's so fundamental to so many of our hearts, not only in life, but when it comes to our relationship with God, is this, is that we have this assumption that obedience leads to love. But scripture says the opposite. It actually says that love leads to obedience. The Christian walk is not, if I'm good enough, if I try hard enough, if I don't mess up enough, then maybe God will love me. Maybe he'll accept me. No, 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 the opposite is true. If you come to faith, If you say, Jesus, I want you in my life. I want you in my heart. I want a new start. I want a fresh life. Then God pronounces this upon you just as he did on Jesus. He says, you are my son whom I love. You are my daughter whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased, even though you didn't do nothing. You didn't do anything to deserve it. The opposite is true. You did everything to not deserve it. We turn from him, we sin, we run around, we do whatever we want to do. But the reality is this, it's a free gift of grace. Obedience does not lead to love, but love leads to obedience. That love can really transform your heart. It's the only thing in the world that can transform the pit of the human heart is radical, sacrificial, transformative love. That's why some some of y'all go out in your free time and serve the homeless. You might look at them and say, are they crazy? That's why some people come here early and set up the church, unload the trailer, set up. That's why some people give radically and sacrificially. And you're saying, you could buy, buy a car with that. What are you doing? Because it, when love comes in your life, 
And when it completely transforms you, you live differently. You obey because you want to, not because you have to. And that is the model that Jesus is showing us. Because look, Jesus is about to take on one of the most difficult times of his life. Luke 4, 1, follow with me. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan where he was baptized and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I would have wanted a spa day. It's kind of a nice moment. All these people are around. John the Baptist is there. Jesus' followers are there. The Father speaks. The, the Spirit comes down. The Son's there. The Trinity's there. It's just such a cool, powerful moment. You, you would expect a party. Some of y'all are getting baptized today. Some of y'all, I know you're throwing a party afterward. I think that's pretty cool. I think that is a party. I know people... I know people, they have the date they were baptized. They keep it forever. They write it on their Bible. They celebrate it every year. Maybe it's an excuse for more cake. I don't know, but people celebrate it. I love that. I love that. But you'd think God would be leading Jesus somewhere, you know, a spa, a weekend getaway, a party, not the wilderness. (laughs) Y'all know people who turn their birthday into a birth week, right? Or a birth week into a birth month. And you're like, I'm having seven parties, six cakes. I'm going out with the girls. I'm celebrating with the family. Then I'm celebrating with my work friends. And I'm celebrating with my church. I'm just celebrating with everybody. That's what I would expect it after a triumphant proclamation on Jesus's life. But we don't get that. We see some difficulty. He went out into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Somebody say, what? What? That doesn't sound right. It sounds like the order's wrong. No, 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 Jesus. You got it wrong. It should be the opposite. Let me be tempted. Let me prove myself and then give me the accolades. But I think the reason it happened in this order is because just like Jesus, some of y'all are facing something. Some of y'all are facing some difficult times, a health diagnosis you didn't want to hear, a divorce, a split up, some pain, some difficulty. And think about the last thing Jesus heard as he headed into the wilderness was this. I think it was ringing in his ears. It was, you are my son whom I love. With you, I am well pleased. I think that was a gift to get him through those 40 days. And I want you to know, whatever comes your way, that proclamation, that declaration of your purpose, of your identity, of who you really are, that will get you through your 40 days, through your temptations, through your trials, whatever, whatever's coming in life. Because some of y'all have been through some stuff. Somebody say some stuff. You've been through some heartache. You've been through some heartbreak. You've been burned by a church. You've, you've lost someone's trust. You've, you, you've been betrayed. You've been let down. You've been let go. You've been through some dangers and toils and snares. But by his amazing grace, you're still standing. By his love, you're still standing. You're still here. Somebody say it. I'm still here. Not the way I thought I would get here, but I'm still here. It wasn't perfect. I made some mistakes. I ended up in the ditch a time or two. But you know what? By God's grace, by his love, by his power, I'm still here. Some of y'all, if you're people of faith, that's the only thing that got you through. Was knowing that you are his beloved child. And you repeated it over and over and over. And I firmly believe Jesus did the exact same thing to get him through his difficult time. Look at this. With the proclamation ringing in his ears, it says he ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hangry. I'm sorry, the text is hungry. I added that. Um, I added hangry. Does anybody get hangry when you don't eat for like 20 minutes? Is that just me? 
Garrett, yeah. I see you, buddy. I see you, Craig. I see you, Garrett. All right. No, I'm cool. I, I'm that. That's me. Forty days. Um, forty days fasting draws out some stuff. We're in the middle of twenty-one days of prayer and fasting. Some of y'all are giving up your phone or Facebook or Instagram or coffee or bread or dessert. Some of y'all have not eaten for for seven days or so because God said that's what you're going to do. And all I'm telling you is just be obedient to what He tells you to do because fasting draws out some stuff. Three, the devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. If you are the son of God, tell this stone to become a basket of Texas Roadhouse rolls, fresh from the oven with the honey butter, mm, mm, the cinnamon swirl, all that stuff on it. That's what Satan did. Somebody say, that's cold. That's cold not eating in 40 days and Satan throwing carbs in your face. That's cold-blooded, but that's what he did. Now, you may read this and say, that's cool, but I can't relate. Get it, but I can't relate because I'm trying to raise kids. I'm trying to, you know, pay my mortgage. I have a life. I'm not in the desert being tempted by the devil. But, but you need to understand, this is not a temptation about hungry, about hunger. This is a temptation about identity. Because you need to understand the enemy will attack your identity. Satan could have said, hey, well, you're probably, probably pretty hungry, aren't you? Why don't you make some food? No, no, no. He said, if you're really the son of God, then do this. If you've ever heard a thought like this, if you are really a good mom, you wouldn't lose your temper so much. If you were really a godly father, you wouldn't be thinking that. If you were really a good Christian, hmm, you wouldn't be doing that right now. It's the same thing. It's an attack. It's an attack on our identity. This is why so many of us can't handle criticism because our our identity is so frail. Turn your neighbor, tell him, get over it. This is why we're always so offended all the time because our identity is so frail. It's like a little paper mache. It's like one of the, it's like a little origami crane. And we just, we, we have to protect it. And we, 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 we have safe spaces and safe zones. And we're just so scared that we'll be offended. But you know what, Jesus, I don't know if he was offended because his identity was rooted in something different. It was rooted in something very different. It was his identity in God. Verse four, Jesus answered this. It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. You might not know this. That's a quote from the Bible. That's Deuteronomy 8, 3. Jesus could have said no. He could have karate chopped him. Jesus could have done. Jesus could have just kicked him in the face. He could have done whatever, but he went to the scripture. Here's what I want you to know. When you go to war, you must go to the word. Don't go anywhere else. That's what Jesus is trying to show us. This is Jesus for crying out loud, okay? He could have said anything he wanted, but he deliberately, intentionally taught us when you were at war, you must go to the war, to, to the word. Some of us need to start acting like we're at war because scripture says we have enemies. Scripture says that the world, the flesh, the devil is out to get you. Scripture says that, 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 that you know, this is scary, but it's a scary world we're raising our kids in. It's, it's, a, it's a scary place. And some of us don't act like we're at war. Let, let, me, let me give you a situation. Let's say you got drafted tomorrow or you joined the service tomorrow. And, and Monday you got drafted, Tuesday you went to war. And they gave you a three-minute um, training before you went into combat. Would you be prepared? Three minutes a day, you're going to train to learn how to use the weapons and, and how to answer the commands and how to fall in line and do push-ups and sit-ups. But every, uh, maybe once or twice or three times a month for an hour, you'll have a training. But most days it's two to three minutes. Sometimes you just skip it entirely. Would you win that battle, you think? You would feel unprepared. You would feel desperate. That's how a lot of us treat life in a spiritual sense. 
We'll do a three minute quiet time every morning. Maybe we'll skip it. Maybe we'll check Instagram first, okay? Right? Maybe we don't. We'll go to church once a month uh, where there's no sports or if there's nothing else. Oh, it's, oh, it's pretty sunny. I'm not, I'm not going to church today. That's how we treat it. And then we look back at the battle and we wonder why we're losing ground. We got to be strong. We got to prepare because scripture is very clear. We are at war. Something we say all the time is that life is hard. It is. We want to come alongside you and help you fight these battles. We were never meant to fight alone. When you get attacked, where do you look? Where do you look? Where are you finding your identity? Are you finding it in God's word? That's where Jesus found his. Are you finding it on how many Instagram followers you have? Are you finding it in how many people like that post or follow you on that blog? Are you following it? Uh, is, is your identity based in how many women you slept with? Is your identity based in how effective your ministry is? It can be a religious thing too. Is your identity based in your business? Is it based in how much you give? It could be anything, but our identity must be rooted in the word and be rooted, our our identity must be rooted in him if we want to achieve and if we want to win the battle, we got to go to the word. Just say no doesn't work. Y'all remember, did anybody do that in school? Just say no. Did y'all do that? Yeah, they did a study. It don't work. Right? Okay. I said, just say no. I didn't know what drugs were in fourth grade, third grade, but I said, just say no. I think I wanted a free t-shirt or a sticker or something, but I said, just say no, but I hate to break it to you. Just say no doesn't work. Jesus could have just said no, but you need to understand our idols must be answered. They must be answered. You can't just say, hey, God's calling me away from this friend group because they're dragging me down. They're a bad influence. I keep getting into into trouble when I'm with them. You can't just say, I'm not going to hang out with them. You have to find a new community. You can't just say, you know what? I'm done. I'm not looking at porn anymore. I'm not going to do it. No, no, no. You can't, that's not going to work. You can't just say, no, you need accountability. You can't just say, you know what? Finally, I'm going to stop sucking with money. My whole life, been in debt, never given to church, always just been terrible with money. I'm just going to say, no, I'm going to figure it out. It's never going to work. You need a plan. You need a group. You need a team. You need people around you to to support you, to get you through. Something we say at this church is that we come alongside you because we know life is hard and we want to help you explore faith in a fun and authentic atmosphere. We want to come alongside you to help you live life to the fullest because life is hard, y'all. Life is hard. It's a battle out there. It comes down to this. What are you boasting in? Somebody say boast. That's a biblical word. We don't use it much, but what are you, what are you boasting in? What do you say? At least I'm a, at least I'm a good mom. At least I'm a good dad. At least I'm the pretty one. At least I'm a successful agent. At least I'm a good CEO. At least I'm a successful athlete. What is that thing that you're boasting in? That's where we find our identity. Scripture assumes we have to boast in something. It just kind of does. And when I heard that word boast, I always thought it was like a, uh, like bragging. Like, I'm really good at this, like a boast. But that word is not actually not in that sense. It's actually a war term. It's a term for war. And what they would do is a general or whoever would be leading the, the troops into battle. And on the way, there would be a boast. And the boast would get the troops excited. Okay, your equivalent is it's Monday morning. What motivates me to get out of bed? Okay, the general was getting the troops ready, getting them fired up, getting them out the door. You know, something like, troops, our time is now. I know we face uncertain battle, but we're all in this together. Yeah, some big, exciting, motivating, you know, that is a boast. And we have boasts, you know, this day too. Have you ever been to a football game? You seen the, the band out there? 
The cheerleaders, they, they do their chant. That's a boast as we head into battle. They'll say things like, U G L Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly. Ha ha, you ugly. Your mama says you ugly. Woo! That's a boast. That's a boast. It's supposed to get you excited. It's supposed to get you to say, yeah, let's fight them. Let's go. That's a boast. That's a boast. Um, we, we, we do boast in the weight room too. Anybody, I don't want to ask if anybody does cardio. I'm not going to ask. Anybody lift weights? Yeah, it was my people. Okay. Um, when you lift weights, you usually have a soundtrack on. Most people lift with music. And some people, you listen to Chris, you know, you know, you listen to Christian music. Some of you don't. Some of you on the car, it's on, it's on K-Love, right? It's K-Love in the car. But when you get to the gym, it's Kanye under the bar. You with me? You're like, I love you, Chris Tomlin. Pause. I'm going to turn on my man, Kendrick. I need something else. That's a boast. That's a boast. You say, I need something else, something different, something to fire me up a little bit, wire me up, get me ready for the battle ahead. That is a boast. The point is that life is hard. We need things to motivate us. And scripture, as you could imagine, says our best boast is in him. It says it's in him. Look, Jeremiah 9, 24, God speaking through Jeremiah. He says, but, but let him who boasts, boast in this, that he knows and understands me. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.31, Paul writes this, therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boasts in the Lord. If I can be honest with you, I don't do that. I don't do that. If there's a tough time, a difficult thing, some stress, my first gut Knee-jerk reaction is not, who, who am I in Christ? Where's my identity? My first gut is me. It's myself. It's like, I've done this before. I can do it again. I can handle it. Everything's fine. And if you're like me, that may be many of yours as well. As you charge into battle, what is that thing that fires you up? What is that thing that you can just lock onto to give you the motivation and the fire and the passion to see the battle to victory? That thing is a boast. That thing is your boast. I saw my man Paul use the word boast 26 times. That's crazy. It's used a lot. Our modern culture loves to boast. We love motivation. We look at fitness bloggers. We look at motivation online. We, we, we do classes. We, we do all kinds of stuff. We look at, at um, motivational speakers, motivational books. Um, this is popular with the ladies. Y'all know, y'all know this girl, Rachel Hollis? She's motivating. Isn't she motivating? Y'all like these books? Y'all about to hate me, whoever clapped. I'm sorry. I set you up a little bit. Because I was looking at these, and they're motivating. They make me want to be a mom. (laughs) And a blogger. And a mom entrepreneur. A mom entrepreneur. Is that a thing? Mom entrepreneurial. Don't ask me how to spell it. it. It's motivating. It makes me say, yeah. Yeah, but I was looking, there, there's some boasts in our society because our man Tim Keller says that the modern self-esteem movement is all about boasting, giving us boasts, giving us things to repeat and recite to give us motivation. And some things are so ingrained in our society, we don't sit back and say, wait a second, is that a, is that a good boast? Is that something we're boasting on? Look, I, I got some quotes from the book for you. <clears throat> you are meant to be the hero of your own story. You and only you are ultimately responsible for who you become and how happy you are. 
you should be the very first of your priorities. All that really matters, all, all that really matters in the whole world, in the whole universe, all that really matters is how bad you want those dreams and what you're willing to do to make them happen. This is what, this is what our, I'm not saying it's not motivating, but this is what our culture is feeding us as boast. We say the boast in this. But I want to ask you, if your world falls apart, what kind of boast is that? If you're facing divorce, if you're facing a cancer diagnosis, is that going to hold up? All that matters is that I want it and I can achieve my dreams. All that matters is me. I'm most important. I can do it. I can handle it. Does that boast work in that situation? What if you flip the boast and you do what our man Jeremiah did and said, and our friend Paul said, and he said, look, our identity is in him. What if rather than boasting in me and my success and my dreams and my goals and aspirations, what if I stopped for a second and said, wait a second. Yeah, I just messed up, but... Yes, I am more sinful and flawed than I would ever dare believe. But at the exact same time, I'm more loved and I'm more accepted in Christ Jesus than I would ever dare hope. And before he gave me an opportunity to mess up, before he gave me an opportunity to strike out, before he gave me an opportunity to hit a home run, he came to me and he pronounced upon my life that he loves me, that he adores me, that I'm his child, that I'm beloved. And nothing could ever change that, which is more effective. Which is more effective. One sounds good. One sounds sexy. You are meant to be the hero of your own story. Be the first of your priorities, but it doesn't hold up. Because that attitude is never enough. It's never enough. I was reading a little bit of the new one, which is weird, but don't worry about it. <laughs> uh, I was reading a little bit and, and she was saying she, she failed in front of all these people. And I said, I've done that too. Let me, let me read a little more. And I was reading and she was saying, I think, I think it, this, this may be a little, the numbers may be off, but I, I think she wanted to be the number one author in the world, number one bestseller. And she was like three or four. And she said she failed. She let everyone down. I want to say, honey, you failed? How many people never get published? How many people don't have 3 million Instagram followers? How many people don't go to concerts and motivational speaking events that are on the radio? I said, it it taught me something because y'all, this world will never satisfy us. There is nothing this side of heaven that can satisfy you. There is nothing. The lie is that if you're successful, you're valuable. But I came to tell you, your value is in Christ. And he proclaimed it upon you. That's what you need to get. That's what you need to understand today. And he does it when we come to him through baptism, through faith. When we come to him, that's what he does. Because look, before you have an opportunity to strike out, before you have an opportunity to hit a home run out of the park, he says, I love you. The reason he does it first is so you can never have a question about, wait, is this because I did this? Because if you have a very successful life and at the end of your life, Jesus said, look, you're my daughter, you're my son whom I love with you, I'm well pleased. You would deep down, you'd be like, I'm pretty awesome, I know. (laughs) I pulled myself up by my bootstraps and I killed it. I'm awesome. But then again, if you look back at your life and you said, I was kind of a failure. I kind of messed things up. I'm kind of a a screw up. And at the end of your life, Jesus said, look, you are my daughter. You're my son whom I love with you. I'm well pleased. You would say, no, he's just saying that. That's not true. At every turn, I screwed up. He's just saying that, trying to make me feel better. Our value is in Christ. Our friend Jen Oshman writes a review. Jen said this about the book. She said, it's exhausting to believe in ourselves. It will only suffice for as long as we have ample energy and good behavior and right thinking. And we already know that we get tired, we mess up, we fall short. 
We need more for this life than we're able to conjure up within. Ironically, believing in yourself will not lead to freedom or wholeness or to the pinnacle of your dreams, but rather to enslavement, enslavement to self. I want to ask you, are you free to fail? Look at me for a second. Are you free to fail? Are you free to fail? Because if your identity is linked to your success, you are a slave to your performance. Here's what I mean by that. If your identity, if your worth, if your value is linked to your performance, getting that job, being the perfect mom, having it all figured out, you will be a slave to your performance. You're a slave to the report card. You're a slave to the bank account number. You're a slave to how your 401k is doing. You will never be truly free. You think you are. But those things run your life. Those things run your life. Alyssa Childers read this book. Her review was good. She said, don't read this book for rest. She said, reading Girl, Wash Your Face exhausted me. (laughs) Amen? Alyssa, are you here? Shucks. She said, look, it's all about what I can be doing better and what I'm not doing well enough. How to be better at work, parenting, and writing. How to be less bad at cardio. Sex and, you know, changing the world. This is, this is the hotness. But grasping the good news of who I am in Christ and nothing else is what brings true rest. Drop the mic, Alyssa. If you were here, you can come up and finish the sermon. That's fire. And that's some truth for us today. Y'all don't even need me. Alyssa can finish it. I might just go to brunch. I might get some chicken and waffles. Okay, y'all don't need me. She's preaching fire. She said, look, ladies, especially ladies, men too, rest from striving, my friend. Yes, wash your face. Yes, take care of yourself. Make good choices. Mm, But who you are in Christ Jesus, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus, meaning finding your identity in him. And if you let this truth become the foundation of how you see the world, you'll be content to glorify him in every situation, in every situation, you can be content. If you're raising the babies, if you're the CEO, if you're at school, if you just lost your job, you can be content. And you can be content. Does anyone here feel not content? Anyone here feel restless or anxious or overwhelmed? So many of us are trying to earn something we'll never be able to afford. We spend our whole lives trying to earn something we'll never be able to afford. It's value, it's worth, it's it's this golden identity. But the ironic thing is God offers it to you in Christ for free. Absolutely for free. Whose approval are you seeking? Whose applause are you seeking? Scripture says this in Romans 2. It's talking about people who walk with Christ, people who've had a real heart change. Those people are like this. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. Meaning this, I don't care what you say about me. I don't care if you don't like the church. I don't care if you don't like my Instagram post. I don't care if you leave a bad review. I don't care if you talk about me in preschool. I don't care because my approval doesn't come from you. It comes from him. There's some power in that. There's some real power in that. That word for a person's praise is not from people, but from God is a little different because the word for praise is actually applause. It literally says, such a person's applause is not from people, but from God. What does, turn your neighbor, say, what does that mean? God applauds me, God applauds, what? See, here's what Christianity teaches. That God saw us in our our mess and loved you so much, he sent his only son into the world. 
Jesus Christ came and lived this perfect life. He died this perfect death and he went to the cross as our substitute. Meaning this, he took our sin, our shame, the punishment, the death, the separation from God that we deserve. Jesus took that on the cross. He paid it in full. And sometimes you look at him and you just say, I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. But he didn't stop there. He also transferred to you his righteousness, his holiness, his goodness. So when God the Father looks at you, he doesn't just say, oh, I see you, you're forgiven. He says, you are brilliant. He says, I see you as perfectly righteous, perfectly holy, with the full obedience as his son. And God the Father looks at you and he sees his son and he applauds. Whose applause are you seeking? Whose approval are you seeking? Because seeking the approval from others is exhausting. When the voice of the only one in the universe who really matters, the one who created you, sustains you, and maps out the rest of your life, when he looks at you and applauds, who else are you trying to impress? If we were in Christ, that's what we receive. That's what we receive because you got to see this. Jesus Christ on the cross, rather than God reject us, God rejected his son. Jesus took our punishment so we could receive that praise. You see, Jesus on the way to the cross and on the cross, Jesus was spit on so you could be called son. Jesus was damned. Jesus was denied so you could be called daughter. Jesus was mocked so you could be called my child. And don't let the world ever call you anything else. (laughs) Nothing else. The world will try. It will try. It will call you failure. It will call you loser. It will call you has been. It will call you never was. But if you are in Christ, if your identity is in Christ, you are a son, you are a daughter. And there's nothing that can ever change about that. We believe Jesus is on the move in Virginia Beach. And if you would like to learn more about who we are and our mission, follow us at Ascent Church 757. If you would like to give to further our mission to impact the city and beyond, you can do so at our website, ascentchurch.net. We hope to see you soon.